The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. If you have your Bible with you this morning, or a smart device, and you're ready to roll in Revelations chapter 2, say amen. It was question proposed, will there be air conditioners in heaven? Theologically, the answer would be no, because we wouldn't need them. Um, Because this heat is the worst toil and the punishment I think God intended. No, I'm, I'm not. It's not that bad. I think you are softer than we are Kansans are. I called Dad the other day and he told me it was like 117 there. Difference is, it's that way there for, you know, about three weeks. Here it's that way for three years. <laughs> Revelations chapter 2. Um, so this morning we look at a, a church. Uh, very interesting, you can read through this and, and kind of maybe wonder, hey, what's the big deal? I chose to go back through the seven churches or through it with you guys as so much of our discussion was revolving around the current condition of our culture, our country, our communities, our schools. And personally, it was just kind of put me in a place of, of great concern of, a, of a, just a heavy heart, and then uh, the Lord reminded me of the seven churches and the, the trials and the tribulations they went through, and folks, we ain't seen nothing yet. And so last week, well, the, the first time, the first church, right, was the church that looked like they were doing everything right. And the preface to that first church was that, again, you can't fool him. He knows who you are. He knows where you live. He knows what you say. He knows what you think. And he certainly knows what you do. And so to respond accurately, appropriately, completely to God's word, one must recognize and respond to the fact that you cannot lie, deceive, cheat or get away with stealing from God. Everyone understand that? Say amen. Amen. Now again, this morning we're going to get into an interesting um, issue in the church. It had to do with some theology and some practices. And uh, we'll get into how divisive such can be. But in the beginning, again, that first church was just, man, I would say they would probably resemble any church that feels like they were doing a good job. You know, in uh, Southern Baptist life, and we are a Southern Baptist church, not because that's the most important thing, because I choose to be Southern Baptist because I believe we're most in line with the truth of God's Word, but I also need you to hear me say, we don't have it all figured out. Amen? All right. So we're going to partner with our brothers and sisters in Christ, who recognize there's only one name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And that's that name of who, church? Jesus Christ. So we see the church, and I don't know if you all realize, like the growth rate, or a church is considered growing if it has a continuous growth rate of 2% 
over a period of three or four years. Do you know that's lower than the average birth rate of a congregation in the United States? So what we're seeing as a whole is, is while we meet and while we sing, and all those are great and well, the kingdom of the Almighty is not going to get defeated. We've been promised victory, right? But we are laying down for defeat in this temporal time. Rather than marching and claiming the territory that's been promised to us, we are retreating cowardly, pathetically, indifferently because of our intimida- the intimidation we feel. And so the first church, man, they looked like they were doing a pretty good job, but can anybody remember that they had left their first love? That they were going through the motions, and we talked about how even in marriage that we get to where we just go through the motions. And in our jobs, we go through the motions. And it takes effort. It takes a significant amount of intentionality to go back and restore those things. And then we got to the church in Smyrna. Well, that church, God pretty much told them, you guys are doing some really good things. And you would think if God came to the church and said, hey, you're doing great, then that would be followed by, I'm going to pour out my blessings on you. That wasn't the case. He said, church, you've done a a tremendous job. You're serving in a rough place. The Roman Empire is trying to shut you down, starve you all out. It looks like you're broken and poor, but you're rich. I appreciate what you're doing, but... Satan is going to test you for 10 days. And so we discussed how God is sovereign. God does not cause sin. God does not cause pain. But He does allow suffering. Now, God can cause discipline in our lives. You understand the difference there? Everyone understand the difference there? Right up here. Say amen. Okay. And so he set the day. And so whatever suffering, whatever time in our lives that we go through hardship, we need to know that God's still in control of it and it's coming to an end. So instead of us preparing for it to last forever, we need to understand it is temporal, it is finite, but when our suffering is over, we can still choose to stay there spiritually and mentally. We can be upset, we can disappoint, be disappointed at what those 10 days cost us. And of course, it may be longer than 10 days. That's just figurative. Now we get to the church in Pergamum. Interesting church. We're going to call them, and most other people have. I don't think I'm the first one that's ever done that. I don't want to claim credit for it. The compromising church. And if you're in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 12, I'm going to ask you to stand out of recognition. For his infallible, inerrant word, serving as a final authority on all matters of faith and practice. Now, sometimes the words are up there. Sometimes the points are up there. You realize I like to keep you all awake and alive. I don't want any Sunday to ever feel like the same Sunday you've been to church before. So next Sunday, I may turn the pews backwards. And preach from the... Just kidding. Revelations chapter 2, verse 12. 
He says, Write to the angel of the church in Pergamum. Thus says the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you, what's it say? I know where you live. And I know where Satan's throne is. But yet you're holding on to my name and you didn't deny your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death among you, where Satan lives. But I've got a few things against you, church. You have some there who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to place stumbling blocks in front of the Israelites, to eat meat sacrificed to idols, but... Now, a couple, probably a month ago, we discussed the freedom that a believer has to, to eat meat sacrificed to idols without any kind of conviction on their own spiritual well-being. So, is that a contradiction? We're going to have to explore that. In front of the Israelites to meet, meat sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. In the same way... You also have those who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Now, that's back in the first church. It says, so repent, otherwise I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And church, here's this statement again. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Not just to the churches as a whole, but to the individuals that make up each church. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name will be inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning, the opportunity we have to assemble as your bride. And I pray that our assembly is not out of vain repetition or just due discipline but it is rooted in a passion and a desire to see your name lifted up so that you draw men and women boys and girls unto yourself lord i pray that you would station us here in this community and you would grant us favor in the direct fulfillment of your great commission our call and our purpose lord may we leave today encouraged and inspired May your Holy Spirit bring conviction and may none of my words bring guilt and shame. May you walk with us, Lord, may you lead us, may you protect us and set us on fire for the things that burn in your heart. It is in the name of the Holy One, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. Amen. You be seated, friend. We're going to go through this a little bit and just set up the stage and then we'll go back and get to the point. So it says, right to the angel church in Pergamum, thus says one who has the sharp double-edged sword. So it says that scripture is sharper than any double-edged sword. So here, there's a couple options that scholars give here. I, I prefer one over the other. One is just a knife so sharp that it pierces coming in, going out, that it divides all the way. The other is it's the sword, two-edged sword, excuse me, one representing the Old Testament and the law on one blade, and then on the other side of the blade representing the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I don't know that you could go wrong with either one of those. The point is that he is the one that holds the truth. He is truth. There is no lie in him. And so he is the one that has the authority to call the church to attention and say, I'm the one with the bronze feet that I talked to you about. I'm the one with the eyes of fire that I spoke to you about. I'm the one who knows where you live. And so church, heed the words that I'm about to speak to you. Or it says later, I'm coming quickly. Now, you ever seen your kids doing something wrong? Now sometimes I see them doing stuff like okay so we moved here and we had a you know land's pretty sparse around here unless you got sugar cane on it so we had this little yard and i was being the cheapskate and i went and got a push mower i did i underestimated the heat let me just put it that way so i told the boys does anybody like their lines in the yard straight okay i don't want to embarrass anybody that we I, they know I'm proud of them, but this is a funny story. So I showed them. I set it up. Guys, you know how you do? You know how you micromanage your kids? That's how I do So I lined it up, squared it up, so. Right? Because I want to drive by and be like, them straight lines. Well, I got to watching. Ashton was veering off a little bit. I was like, boy, that's not going to work. And I thought, maybe he'll self-correct. No, he didn't. So it wasn't a rush. I walked out, straightened lines back up. I didn't need to come quickly, because honestly, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Well, the other story goes, it was Aiden's turn on the lawnmower. And I don't know how this happened. I really don't. The ride lawnmower, push the lawnmower, is this high off the ground? And uh, he, was, he was out there for just a second. Then he comes back and he's just panicked. He goes, Dad, something bad happened. And I'm like, let's go, son. Man, I came quickly. And I don't know how he hit a big rock that was this tall. And the, lot, the, the push mower went on top of the rock. And um, so that demanded a lot of attention. And the blade was just curled up like a bobby pin. And so there's things that sometimes we do where the Lord's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of time to self-correct here because you know that's not what I told you. And then there's times where the Lord says, you go this way, I'm coming and I'm coming quickly. And so he starts off with saying, church, I need you to understand I know where you're at, but I'm the one that holds the double-edged sword. And you're the church, and every church needs to recognize God's sovereignty in their placement. Do y'all believe God's sovereign? Say amen. So he sovereignly, before the foundation of the world, called each of you to salvation 
arranged your sanctification, and then at the right time planted a church by the name of Bayou Vista Baptist Church so that you would invest your efforts, your energies, your passions, and your loves, your friendship, and your family into the spiritual development of this community as your priority. And so he says, church, I know where I put you. Don't give me any excuses. Church, I know where I put you. And he says, church, right to the church, church of Pergamum, I know where you're at. This letter's to you. Thus says the one who has the right to speak truth. I know where you live. And what's it say? Where Satan's throne is. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you look at Pergamos, Pergamum, here's what you're going to find out. It was the center of several cults. One, Athena. You ever heard of Athena? Pretty big deal back then. Also, Asclepios. Anyone ever know the symbol for medicine? The serpent? That's her symbol. And now, any time any of her followers would fall ill or be infertile, they would recommend that the person would come to the temple, lie on the temple, and allow snakes to crawl all over their body all night so that the healing power, the soul power of the serpents would heal them. So, I mean, you you can think, boy, we got some funky stuff going on. Friend, this stuff is as evil and deprived. So you're going, who else? You also got, got Dionysus. You know what he's a god of? Drunkenness. And you've got Zeus. So, God's saying, church, I put you right in the middle of where Satan's throne is. And so church, we, we, we look at ourselves today and we're like, man, this is tough and, and this is hard and I don't know what we're going to do. And, and God's saying, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to do what I told you to do from the beginning and you're not going to get distracted. And he also says, and I know what happened to Antipas. Do you know who Antipas was? Their pastor. Do you know what happened to him? They arrested him. And I don't know if you've read Fox's Book of Martyrs or studied any martyrdom. But they would create a giant bronze bull with a cutout to place a live human being in. They would lock it up, put it over the fire, and steam the human being to death. So, church, I know I placed you where Satan's throne is. Now, that's interesting, but let's just reflect on that. God is sovereign, and He has allowed Satan to rule this fallen world for a season. So church, I know I may have put you in one of the hardest places I could have 
placed you. And you've been faithful. You, you didn't lose your faith even when your pastor was burnt, boiled, stink cooked inside of an idol. You kept meeting. Now let's, let's think. We feel like we're going through a little persecution, right? We're hearing threats, but no real reality to them yet. Friend, we get upset about prayer out of school. Friend, how many of you were showing up to pray at school? You know, you had the freedom. You used to have the freedom to go to school and see your kids and their friends. What did we make of those opportunities? But we sure complain about them when we're gone, when they're gone. So he says, and here's the other thing. Your pastor, what if, I, I, don't, I don't want this to happen. Everybody understand that? Say amen. What if this week I disappear? And y'all find out, well, they killed the preacher. What would that do for attendance next week? I'm, I'm just asking. Hey, did y'all hear what happened to the preacher? Hey, I mean, a lot of times the people just hear the preacher's out sick, they don't come. Hey, government arrested him and killed him. Um, I'm not feeling good this Sunday. Right? Because that, that would be a pretty big discouragement. But he's saying, I know, I know you're right in the middle of the pit of an earthly hell. And you're still going. You've lost those that you've loved. You've seen firsthand martyrdom. And it could extend to any of you. Those demonic worshipers could come in at any time because you have no legal protection where you're at. But you keep meeting. And so, let's look at where they messed up. He says... Well, I have a few things against you. You have some there who have held the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites, to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and commit sexual immorality. So, we read in other places in the New Testament that for the Christian, I believe in one God, right? He exists in three persons, three manifestations. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are not polytheistic. We are monotheistic. Now, if I come to someone's house, and we've talked about this on a Wednesday night, and they bring me food, and they're from a different religion, let's say they're, they're Hindu, and they, ought, they tell me that they pray to their Hindu God, which there's over a million. And at any point, you can add one if you'd like a different one. They don't even know who all they are. They're not documented. So they tell me that that's from so-and-so, and they prayed. And, or they asked to bless the mill. It's their house. But friend, here's the reality. They just prayed to a God they made up. There's no power in that God. There's no intimidation for me in that God. That's not the God I'm praying for, and it's not the God I'm eating with blessings and thankfulness to. 
I'm praying and worshiping to my God, and so I do not want to offend them in that matter. Now, it also says, but if I'm there with another believer, and the believer, before they bring out the food, is like, hey, you know they're Hindu, right? I'm like, yes, I do. He goes, well, then we shouldn't eat this food. Well, friend, I'm not going to cause a big scene right there. I'm just not going to eat for the love and respect of my brother who is struggling with the situation. So there's liberty, right? There's liberty the believer has. But what was going on here was an attempt to divide the church. Now, you've heard me pray several times that God would protect the unity of this church over our, any of our individual values. A church united under the banner of the cross will accomplish and achieve anything God has set out for it to accomplish. A church that is divided on the truth of God's word literally has no strength to stand upon and must be disciplined likewise. And you'll see that in just a second. He says, so some of you folks... you." You kept going, right? I mean, you've overcome some fear, but some of you are believing some things and you're allowing things to be taught that is not what I told you. And so the most dangerous thing, church, you live where Satan lives. The greatest power you have is the two-edged, which is my word which will overcome, will endure forever, and you're compromising its power by tolerating people you shouldn't tolerate. There's a standard for the church that we've lost at some point. Man, what we believe, what we teach, how we live. And he says some of you Here's another thing that was going on. Balak had paid Balaam to try to do these things, and it was to destroy the church. They were also trying to get the Moabite women to seduce the Israelite men so that they would intermarry, and it would more or less pull the Israelite men away from his church to the idolatrous churches. So, if Satan can't get you out loud, he'll get you in a quiet room. Do you understand? So he knows he comes to steal, kill, and... So God is saying, listen, church, you've seen Satan come. You've seen the evil when your pastor was burned. But you let an evil in the back door with these heresies. And so you're going to have to deal with it. And so, friend, I'm, I'm, if, if we, I teach something that, that you don't agree, come talk to me. But, friends, there are some things I cannot compromise on. Do you understand that? Say amen. All right, now I'll hug you. I'll probably even high-five you. We can play some four square on the way out. But there's just some things that are going to divide the brethren. Do you understand that? 
And here's the other harsh part of that. I don't know how you can claim to be a brethren and not believe God's word. So he says, so here's what you're doing. Now listen, everybody, please. You allowing your people to abuse the liberties and justify sin and offend each other. Do you know we're to prefer each other, not offend each other? Everyone recognize that? Please say amen. Okay, we ought to treat people with respect and dignity. And here's the other thing. Church, you're tolerating sexual immorality. We pastored a church at one point that I had heard of a little bit more of this than I had been prepared to hear. And this is probably going to hit some of you wrong, and I'm sorry. But I told them, you got two weeks to cut your sexual immorality out. Two weeks. If you're having an affair, two weeks. I'm going to pray that the Lord gives you grace and mercy and the courage to come forward and admit. Two weeks. Otherwise, I'm going to pray you found out. You got two weeks in grace. I'm going to pray God's judgment on you because you just waste, you're wasting our time as a church. And then I told him if I find out about it, there's a billboard downtown. I'm going to rent. And we're going to let everybody know about it. I, I wouldn't probably do that. We're still church. We can't waste our time tolerating things that only destroy. So, if you have an affair, if you're even thinking about having an affair, if you're having conversations with someone that are inappropriate, disrespectful, or perverse, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit convicts you today and you walk away from that as, as quick and fast as you possibly can. I'm also going to tell you kids, you adult men and women, if there's mess on that phone that you're looking at, you don't need to be looking at. Do you know that's just stupid? I mean, Scripture tells us that, that, that that's not just like you, you sin it against yourself. We often can justify hurting someone else, but normally we don't justify hurting ourselves because of self-preservation. See, you're just being stupid. I don't even know how else to say it. So, church, we can do a lot of things right, but until we address the sin that comes in that we don't want to talk about, Oh, it's easy to talk about. That Zeus temple, they evil, right? Man, they bad news down there. They burned her pastor last week. But not, not the sins. Not the sins that creep in real slow. Not the sins that we can hide. And so, let's look at how he finishes this thing. I'm getting hungry. Now, there's, was that maple bacon? Because it was hickory, because I've smelt maple, and that's my favorite. Um, 
Why, there's things that God made so good, and bacon's one of them. Do you realize the Israelites couldn't eat that bacon? That's a tough life. So 15. You know what? <laughs> okay, let's get on. Oh, yeah, we're in the same way, you also have hold of the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Well, we talked about them earlier, and what that was was just a life of indulgence. They were compared to goats. If you ever have owned a goat, and I thought it was a good... <laughs> okay. So, I've always had this dream of living off the land, right? I consider myself Grizzly Adams, okay? In short... So one of our neighbor, one of my buddy neighbors, they were neighbors down the road. He started raising meat goats. Now I, I love to deer hunt. I, I like food off the land. And so I was like, Danette, let's get some goats. And now we had a little piece of our property that dropped off like to the edge of nothing. And I was like, we'll just put a fence around that. And we'll let them in there. That way we don't have to spray it or mow it or anything else. Well, when we got them, they were small. Have you ever heard a baby goat yell when it, when it says it's mama? Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't stop. I almost ate them when they were babies. Well, eventually, <laughs> them stupid. They would eat anything. I mean, they didn't care. Briars wood, branches. But anyway, them things got pretty good size. And they'd get out while I was at work. And so Jeanette would call me and be like, hey, the goats are out. And I can't tell you some of the thoughts that went through my mind whenever she told me them goats got out. I thought, I'm just going to shoot them. Well, I was out. This This is not cruelty to animals. This is just trying to discipline a goat. And so I had a shovel, and man, them things would just come up and hit you. And I'd grab them by the horns. I, I'm not a weak guy. And man, they just throw me around. And so I was like, what am I going to do with that thing? So I took that shovel. Boom! Didn't even phase it. Didn't even phase it. So anyway, we got them in that pen. And what I realized, corralling a goat, it's hard to build a pen that even holds a goat in. And a goat will eat as much as it can eat of whatever it can get, whether it's good or bad. So that's the, the idea of the Nicolaitans. Good or bad, right, right or wrong, they lived in absolute abusing everything. So let's finish. So he says in 16, so you better repent, right? You better come clean about this stuff, otherwise I'm coming to you quickly. And I'm going to fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Here's what that means. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to show you exactly where I said you weren't supposed to do that. And if you want to rebel against that, if you want to rebel against my word, then we're going to take it one step farther. But I don't want. Growing up, there was a few things mom and dad would say when I was in trouble. Eric or William, you know what I'm saying? 
Eric didn't bother me. William! I'd start sweating. I was sweat running down my back, my forehead. And that's it. he says, guys, I can't let this happen. Let anyone who has ears hears listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, this is good. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. What does that mean? Well, remember the nation of Israel wandering in the wilderness, and God gave them manatee. He didn't give that to anyone other than his chosen people. So that represents the nourishment that we get from a relationship with him that the lost world does not have. Let's keep going. I also give him a white stone. That stone represented, we would call it like an Olympic medal now, like a silver, gold, bronze. But it was a white stone that said he, he, he or she had conquered and overcome the challenges of this life. And on the stone, a new name. And that new name, that new name is not a name that's insignificant. It's not a name that's indifferent. It's a name that God knows me by, and I know He knows me by it. It knows, and here's what it refers to. Every hurt and pain of my life. Every excuse I've ever given Him to be unfaithful. It refers to the ten days of trial or the thousand days of trial that I endured in this fallen world. And I still believed Him. It will be an eternal reminder of His faithfulness in this finite world. And if He was that good for that amount of time, oh, how good He'll be for all of eternity. That's what the little white stone means. He knows you. Let us close. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. You know where I live. You know where my brothers and sisters live. May your Holy Spirit purify our lives. God, I want you to come quickly to bring us to heaven. But I don't want you to come quickly to have to straighten us out. And so, Lord, I pray we're a church that remembers our first love. Lord, that we're a church that can endure trials, tribulations, suffering for the ten days. And, Lord, also that we're a church Where, Lord, disrespect, disunity, and just blatant heresy will not be tolerated. And immorality is not ignored. It is in the name of the sovereign King Jesus we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would stand, friend. you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior or if you don't know what that means and you just want to meet with me I know that the altar can be an intimidating kind of maybe even awkward at some capacity and friend I'd love to just take you to coffee you come up and visit with me this week whatever time you need I will do everything in my power to give it to you okay just let the office know Facebook us I'll give you my cell phone after the service, whatever I can do. 
Here's where I really want you to focus this morning. What is in your life that you know He has told you to cut out? What is in your life that He has said, you better deal with that or I'm going to have to. And I'm going to ask, friend, you would seek, search your heart. You would surrender the justification that you've used. And you would give Him your life. Lord Jesus, convict. There is no guilt and shame in the presence of the Savior. There's only conviction. There's only hope and restoration. So Satan, you can take your shame and go where you belong. For God's people, you have no power. You bring us no fear. Just get out. Lord, bless us as a church. Prepare us. It's in your name we pray. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.